All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay. We're back. <laughs> Where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring The Yay and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. Yay. Uh, we got to get Mallory back. I miss her. Yeah. Um, we have the Hutch back, John Hutchinson. John, Woo! how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Thanks, right? Thanks a lot. Awesome. And I think this is our our belated birthday podcast because mine, John's, and I right. want to talk to you about James Baldwin. So. Exactly. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's right. And you are, I mean, you are, I don't want to, you're 85 years old. Uh, John and uh, last time I looked <laughs> that's right who even who even looks at the calendar anymore even I have a friend of mine I'm like it's your birthday so how old are you she's like don't even don't, I don't even want to <laughs> let's not have that conversation yeah let's not even have the conversation but I mean you have seen you have seen so much and uh, I think you are, you remember the fireside chats of FDR Franklin Delano Roosevelt I mean you know that that is just amazing. You have such rich history, and uh, we tried to get you on, uh, I think, a week or two weeks ago, but uh, of course things you know, came in. Yeah, Pericles, Pericles happened, but um, no, it's your back. Well, how do you feel? How are you doing, John? I feel fine, thanks, Rich, and it's wonderful to, uh, for you, to, you and Norman to invite me back. This yeah. is great. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, with COVID, I mean, we thought that we were going to be over with COVID at the beginning of this year, and of course, the Delta variant. You know, uh, crept you know crept into our lives. Yeah. California, we're doing well, but you know mm-hmm. we're being very diligent and vigilant and keeping things at bay. But unfortunately, means you know we still have to seclude ourselves. I heard a governor on the news on the way here, so this was like top of the news, and um, saying to his state that they need to do better about vaccinations, and saying and naming the other states that are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Wow, like calling it out. I'm like, oh, Terrible. dude, yeah, you, you must true. be up for re-election. Cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we can get into that. Um, for those who don't, and we're not going to go into an origin story because you can look at uh, episode, oh, shucks, I think it was 43 that we had you on, <clears throat> Hutch. Born in L.A., uh, you went to high school in San Diego. You went to high school with Victor Buono. We just we were talking about him in the car. Mm-hmm. He, For those who don't know Victor Buono, he was King Tut in the old Batman television series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's done a bunch of other things. Uh, oh, so. a bunch of other things. You know what that guy really feels good about it, that, that he did the uh, Betty Davis movie. Oh. Uh, Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Happened to baby? He got, oh, he got an Academy Jane? nomination for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Supporting actor nomination. Mm-hmm. It was very exciting. Yeah. And Old Globe actually gave him an Old Globe for that for that part. Sweet. Yeah. No, he's awesome. And it's funny when you when you're watching a dear friend perform, and you're saying to yourself, "I know every move that he's making. Look at right. that. I know that. <laughs> right. One. I know that one. What's he doing? You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. And so um, no, it was great. <clears throat> and you have um, you've lived. You went to school in Oregon, undergrad. You went University to of Oregon. Uh, got a degree in journalism. Yeah. And you're a Stanford graduate. You worked at NBC News. You've been to Venezuela, where you met the love of your life. Oh, <laughs> God, you've got it all out there. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <clears throat> well, I mean, you, I mean, you know, you were very gracious in sharing things. And then you went to Texas. Then you went to Minnesota. Um, and you know, you've been here in the Bay since the '90s. I think 30 years. And um, yeah, my foot got stuck in the mud somehow here yeah. in the Bay Area. And so I we will. Uh, so you know, we'll, we'll talk more about you and other things, um, Norman. You just came off of Pericles. How has oh. your couple of weeks been? 
couple of weeks. It's been Pericles was about a couple of months. And yeah. So it's been crazy. Um, yeah, the show closed the 10th, which was right before my birthday. My birthday is the 12th. Um, and that, to me, was, I felt like the universe was giving me a birthday present. Because you're a theater artist, and you want to celebrate your birthday. And over the years, over the decades, it's been so many times where I could not celebrate my birthday on my birthday because I had rehearsals, I had a show, yeah, I had yeah. other commitments. Which are good problems to have. <laughs> I, well, I used to like not want to celebrate the birthday, and then I came up with the birthday season and said, that's doesn't matter if I'm in a show or not, I will find time to celebrate my birthday. Good for you. And so I felt like the universe was sort of gifting me with this yeah. show. I was understudying... Turned initially a couple of roles and then actors, so more than a couple of roles. And then a third actor went out just as we were about to open. And the understudy for that actor had been given the weekend off because it was opening weekend. So, yeah, there's no way we need you opening weekend. And suddenly I had to get ready to do that role. And fortunately, everything worked out. And I did eventually get to go on, and I got to play Pericles a couple Excellent. of times. Excellent. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. I mean, there's no, there's no greater reward for an actor, you know, like you're an understudy, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like the coach points you. It's right. like, hey, listen. <laughs> right. you gotta you bring, got you gotta gotta to bring – got to play the game. Get on the field. you got to play. Hit that winning <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> and you did it, and, uh, and the experience was great. It was nerve-wracking, and, um, and yeah, I'm happy that book, I did it. I mean, you know, making sure that you were – Well, I was about – 80% off book. Yeah. <clears throat> but realize, so they split Pericles into four episodes. So early in the summer, they did episode one, then episode two, then episode three. Episode four was the only live episode. The other ones were all streamed. So right as they were getting into rehearsals for that, I guess they had a conversation about, they had a production of Hamlet maybe five years ago that by the time they finished, they had like 15 people popping in people were stepping up to cover other roles so they had to hire oh. somebody to cover that role it was <clears throat> sounded like a nightmare so they knew better and they went ahead and they hired a few understudies and i was happy to be one of them yeah well uh, norman you know i don't want to look stupid here but could you give me a little bit about pericles pericles and prince of tire it's a late shakespeare play it was not in the first folio that's how late it was um oh it's, and it's there's a lot of Greek. debate about oh. whether or not how much of it he wrote they don't they don't deny that he wrote it it, it was definitely popular in his time huh. under his name um, but they think that it was, well, he did many collaborations in his later years. So it's uh, the story of Pericles, Prince of Tyre, who travels all over the, I would call it the Eastern Mediterranean. I don't know what else to call it. The, the sort of back end of the Mediterranean, all these little islands and, and kingdoms. And, and it has a very fairy tale quality because you keep running into um, kingdoms with princesses who are looking for somebody to marry them and he goes through all that and he eventually <laughs> does marry one and then she dies in childbirth oh. and then because he's a big adventurer dude goes back out on the sea he drops his baby off at this with this king who he thought was you know um owed him something so he drops the baby off um, goes off, travels for years and years and years, comes back when she's probably a teenager. And he gets there and they're like, oh, no, she, um, we were attacked by pirates and she was killed. And there's a big monument to her. And the truth was that as she grew up, she was so popular with the people, she was more popular than the princess of that kingdom. 
and the queen, king and queen, they always blame the women in these stories. King and queen were unhappy and um, hired an assassin who came to assassinate her. And just as he got ready to kill her, pirates appeared and kidnapped her. Oh, boy, those and, pirates. And took her away. And so episode four starts with Pericles arriving at the island and finding this out. But we have just seen in the recap that at the very end of episode three, pirates kidnap her and they take her away. <laughs> so episode four, once we kind of finish up the recap, Pericles is, you know, he's devastated. He stops cleaning himself. He stops eating except just barely enough to stay alive. And he won't talk to anybody. And he's on his ship and his Helicanus, his second in command, who I was also, that's who I was supposed to primarily understudy. So I have scenes where I'm supposed to be doing both characters. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Now that's a trick. Yeah. That was weird. Um, but anyway, um, Helicanus has been, he ran the kingdom while Pericles was gone and now has been running the ship while yeah. Pericles has sat for three months yeah. In the hold, in his room, not talking to anybody, not doing anything, the ship comes to Middleen. And Middleen is kind of a racy merchant town. Um, and there is a brothel. And that brothel just bought from some pirates this young woman who's a virgin. And it's Marina, <laughs> the daughter. Um, oh, so boy. eventually, this is, this, is like an, this is like an Elizabethan version of like your television series. It is. It, it, yeah, it's so exactly. like a soap opera. It yeah. is such a soap opera. So the big thing that happens in episode four is we find out that Marina has managed to keep anybody from taking her virginity by singing and speaking well and playing instruments and sewing. And all the rich dudes in town have decided that they're not going to, you know, try and get some anymore. They just come and give her money to for her company. She's so incredible. Uh. And so when the ship gets there, Pericles' ship gets there, Helicanus meets the governor, and he says, well, the king is on the ship, but he, you know, he hasn't talked to anybody in three months, and he barely, and he won't eat except to keep his grief alive. And the governor says, well, I'm going to meet him. And he tries to talk to him, and he won't talk to Helicanus. says, he will not speak to you. And Lord Number One, who is standing in the background, says, you know, there's this woman in town. I bet if she talked to him, she could get him to talk. And Helicanus says... What a great says, role that would be. No lines at all that you know. You're just sitting there mute the whole time. Huh? Which one? Heli oh, no. Pericles? No. Pericles. No, he's just... It was so weird. Because so that was like almost half of episode four is just finding out about the brothel and that yeah. whole journey. Yeah. The whole time Pericles has sat... He walks on stage at the beginning of episode four. Yeah. And we hear from a narrator that he finds his wife... I mean, his daughter's you know tombstone. And he walks across the stage. He peels off his nice clothes. And he's in these horrible rags. And he goes and he sits at the edge of the stage. While we watch, like, at least a third of the play getting the whole Marina story... <laughs> And then finally, she comes over to him to try and talk to him. Uh -huh. We've finally gotten to that point. Okay. And that's where he gets his big scene. Okay. And so, and then from there, he doesn't stop talking for the rest of the play. Okay. So uh, that's, you know, that's Pericles. Um, you didn't have any stumbling or, uh, I mean, because I know it's tough. I mean, when you talked about, oh my God, am I too loud? Um, no, no. I feel like no, it's no. a little loud. Yeah. For everything? Yeah. Okay. You turned it up, and I was like, oh, okay. How, how's that? Oh, much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Thank you. But in any case, when you talked about, you know, like uh, having to, um, the lines and all that sort of stuff, it reminded me of Hutch when we did, um, you did Audience. 
It was you, and I think it was Craig. It was either Sousa or Dickerson. I'm thinking it was Dickerson. Mm. Um, where you had lines that just repeated over and over and over again, and uh, uh, you four <coughs> scenes, four scenes. It was written by Vaclav Havel. Vaclav Havel, yeah, mm-hmm. a, a very Lush. famous play of his. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the four scenes take place in the same place with the same people, but with just a slight variation, mm-hmm. and it, the subtlety was too much for me. Ah, oh, no. Well, I mean, you handled right. it, and it was very, very funny because basically the scene is you guys are getting slowly and slowly drunk. Yeah, your character yeah. has a vested interest to manipulate this other individual, but yeah. mm-hmm. it happens the other way around. Right. But anyway, oh, that's just, funny. That's just, wonderful. Just, just the difficulty of you've got a bunch of lines, or you're told at the last minute, get off book. <laughs> right. For something you weren't, you didn't expect to do. So. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, it sounds like you know you had a wonderful experience, and you know on your birthday, the this, cast was yeah. incredible. So Ron, uh, Ron Chapman, who I didn't know, mm-hmm. um, even though he pointed out that we had done something, and I was like, oh wait, that was you, <laughs> totally just oblivious. He played Pericles. Mm-hmm. Um, David Moore was the other actor that I was understudying. He played Helicanus. He played Pander, the uh, the the owner of the brothel mm-hmm. um, and then multiple other roles in the recap uh-huh. um, a couple of actors that I've worked with at Playground and oh so I should make sure I mention that at the end Playground's next show our season opener is Monday um, but Ezra can't remember Ezra's last name and Amy also don't know her last name Lizardo, Uh because it was part of the show she would come out as the uh, narrator and introduce herself. I'm Amy Lazardo. I'll be playing the Gower, which is the narrator in the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, people I'd never seen face-to-face, but I've seen them for uh, over a year, year and a half at least, on Playground. I see. And have directed. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, you people are real people. Oh, my gosh. It yeah, it's like a family reunion. Yeah. And then uh, Carolina Moronis. Moronis, yeah, we've oh. had her on. Yeah. yeah, who is the sister of Regina Moronis, mm-hmm. who was with me in As You Like It. Um, so just this amazing array of talent, um, Leontine, um, I'm so horrible with the last names, uh, Leontine played uh, the love interest, and it's funny because I've known Leontine since day- my days with Central Works, and um, I've never gotten a chance to really work with her, and yeah. suddenly there I was looking in her eyes all in love, I was like, oh, <laughs> this works, I like this. Oh, that That is really, really awesome. Where's the physical venue for a playground? There were a bunch of venues, right? Playground, yeah. well, no, playground, so up until COVID, playground did their Monday night playground, which is the third Monday okay. of the month, yeah. they did that at Berkeley Rep. Okay. Um, they have taken over managing the space, um, the Potrero stage. Yeah. Formerly Thick House. Yeah. The, what was the Thick House? Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. At the bottom of the hill. Yeah. <laughs> bottom of the hill, I, I, right. I did, I did some work there. It's a, it's a great little space. Yeah. Um, so they run that space, but they still do their shows. And this season, we are going to do our shows at the Freight and Salvage. Wow. So we'll find out Monday whether or not that actually works, but yeah. uh, that's the okay. goal at this that's point. Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll be nice. And we'll talk Because more. Berkeley Rep said no this season. In fact, they... Canceled their first show, and then they said, "Yeah, we can't even talk about rentals. Don't, don't come, don't come to us." Yeah, yeah, you know, we, you know, with COVID, I mean, and the second year, I mean, you know, yep. theaters are being hit hard, yep. but some theaters are are finding ways of producing things. There are a bunch of new shows that are po- are populating right. up. Oh yeah, uh, let's jump into a little bit of our current events. We've had a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, not not all of it is serious, but uh, uh, there's a lot that deals with 
entertainment with theater. Oh. Well, maybe not theater, but entertainment. Um, Squid Game. Squid Game has sort of... It's incredible. It's it's taken over. And, we are you know, two episodes from the end. <laughs> oh, my God. And Hutch, I should catch you up on what Squid Game is. So basically, and I haven't even watched... I've been watching YouTube reaction videos of people watching Squid Game. It's a television show created in Korea. Is that Yes, right? it's Korean, yes. Basically, Everything is just so much... That's new, and I'm just right. not exposed to because yeah. I've, okay. I don't even know if it's even necessary. <laughs> it's just it's, it's fun, well, it is but it, it isn't necessary. Yeah. yeah, but I my life I've skewed off, you know, during uh, COVID by isolation. Yes, yeah. and I've become an avid fan of Turner Classic Movies and uh, and the 30s. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. it's a 30s yeah. film, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So you come up with these games and the stuff that's going on now. I said, okay, kids, you go on. Okay, Right, exactly. Right. I, I, God bless I'm there. you. I'm there. And speaking of games, so Squid Game is basically an essential game where... It's like survival. There's this... This is evil of children's games. Yeah. Evil organization that's forcing poor people to play these games yep. in exchange for money, but they don't know that they will die if they lose. Mm-hmm. So it's... Cheapers. You know, the... the that's grim. I know, it, it is, is horrible. It, is, it, it is started grim. off with over 400 contestants and in the first game they killed about half of them yeah it was horrible and the context of the the this film or this television series mm-hmm. is poverty it's basically yes. yeah. rich versus the poor or you know how we think gentrification has hit us here in in America. the first couple of episodes yeah. are um or maybe the first three episodes are Thanks. you getting to know particularly the main character you're getting to know his situation but you find out that a guy that he grew up with has a bad situation in a totally different way. This young woman that we meet early in the first episode, um, equal, uh, North Korean. Yeah. She is an escapee from North Korea and wants to get her family out, which uh-huh. costs a ton of money. So you get to know that all these characters have gotten to this place in life for two reasons. One, you know, dire circumstances. But two, they're... Like, you know, um, gambling addicts, um, people who just don't make good choices. And the script is so good that way because they get to a place where a sane person might go, you know, one of us just died. So, no, I'm done. Let's be done with this. And the other one is like, you know what? That person died for nothing if you drop out of the game now. Yeah, uh... but but it also gets with money, you know, like how... How uh, how low can you go, or what will you do for money? You know, there are people who, I mean, OnlyFans has taken off because they are mm-hmm. young girls. Right. Let's be honest, who are putting up scintillating videos yep. of themselves nude or yep. semi-nude or whatever for money. Stripping, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's like, what will I do for money? Or you know, how poor am I? Right. I don't care how. And I've I've been homeless. I I don't know if I've even told either mm. of you this. But I was homeless for three days, four days in New York. Mm, I had to really? Live, I had to live out of my boss's mm-hmm. uh, office because mm-hmm. my roommate kicked me out because I wasn't paying rent. I mean, right. it's in, in Manhattan, it was 1100 for a two-bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. which was very expensive in the 90s. Right, right. <laughs> so in any case, um, but as, as, as low as I've been, and there's been, there was a point where I was uh, unemployed for three months, one of mm-hmm. the lowest three months I've ever had. But there are things I would never do for money, or they're, right. I mean, they're like a standard. Right. The things that I just won't do, and the f- show focuses on that. Oh yeah. How high or how low are your standards? What will you do? 
you know, for money. Mm-hmm. And how will people manipulate you for money? So, oh, yeah. it's it's been incredible. And yeah, the yeah. whole country is nuts for it. Like you, I saw it on social media, and I was like, why is there? Why is everybody talking about this? What is it? So then I looked it up. Just and I hate to, mm-hmm. I hate spoilers. So yeah. I looked up just to get enough information to go. Okay, I'll watch an episode and we'll see what happens. And I was hooked. I'm wondering if. Is, I mean, the value of, I, mean, I don't know if it's punching down or making fun of the poor or focusing on, I guess, poverty. And, you know, because some folks will look at it as the perspective of, wow, this is, what's, this is what happens when people are desperate or poor. But some people are looking just for titillation. Ooh, let's see how this person's going to get killed. Well, that's, so the episode I'm at, finally, these VIPs show up and, oh, my God, what great writing. The dialogue, they do. They sound like they're walking into a ball game. They're just talking shit and yeah. posturing, macho posturing at each other. And I'm like, there's a bunch of people whose lives are on the line, and y'all are coming in here like, hey, yeah. let's see the game. And maybe it's black comedy. Maybe it's like a farce or something like that. Um, it's it's all over. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's- also, I want to talk about Dave Chappelle. <laughs> when you mentioned, when you said that about, you know, because... I did. I want to try. My to my wife and I are are disagreeing about this, and she doesn't there want to disagree. There are a lot disagree. of folks who are disagreeing. I talked with a friend of mine. I should catch you up. Dave Chappelle is a comedian. Yes, and by a matter of fact, I watched the stream of Dave Chappelle yesterday because a friend <laughs> oh, of mine you recommended. Saw. Yeah. yeah, the closer. Uh, it's the, called the, the closer. The, uh, yeah, the latest one. Oh, okay, good. I don't have to keep you up. And I should. I got say, all, all kinds of questions about it too. Oh, yeah, great. And, Yes. I, I talked with a um, a friend of mine, Regina Johnson. We're thinking about doing a podcast together. Oh, yeah. Both of us graduated. You bringing together. back Black in the Bay? Do, well, I, I, that would be nice. Um, because both of us graduated from Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Sure. Along with Dave Chappelle. Oh, I didn't realize that. He is an alumnus of, uh, as a uh, he gave some money to Duke Ellington mm. to spruce up the theater for, mm-hmm. for the high school students there. What a guy. Nice. And we said, hey, he's family. Right. And I was asking, how do you feel about what's going on? And, of course, the black community, I should say the heterosexual black community is yep. like, what's the big deal? And he's yep. trying to you know, create an audience or whatever. But, of course, there are you know people who are gay, friends of mine, and that's why I wanted to sort of get your perspective, John, who are like, and I've written articles where they're like, he's punching down on the LGBT but I would say even more or trans people. Trans, specifically. Because yeah. that's, right now, that's, yeah, that, that, there's a separation, particularly in the UK. Um, there is a identifying, there are a group of folks, homosexual folks, who identify as homosexual proudly. Mm-hmm. And they want to be, they want to say the trans <clears throat> issue is a distinctly separate issue from what their experiences are, what their issues are, what their stuff is. And they don't want to feel like this is taking over you know, the legitimate attempts to try and find some parity, some equality, some safety. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're not discounting it, but they're saying that's different. And so, yeah, Chappelle has managed to weave this in such a way so he's got people pissed off everywhere. <laughs> yeah. What, what was your take? I mean, you saw the, the special The Closer. He what did you think? He is a genius. This Isn't man he? is, I understand now clearly why he's rated as highly as he is mm-hmm. by his more importantly, is co-performers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you if you do stand-up, mm-hmm. you look at Dave Chappelle and all that other stuff that's on the side, trans, whatever, right. mm-hmm. is, is immaterial. How does he get... You know what that guy does? Well, mm-hmm. I'll be talking technique and not the actual sure, content. Sure, sure, sure. No, talk But he me. frames. Yes. When that guy gets on stage, he frames mm-hmm. his act. Yep. And he does it so subtly and so clearly. 
the audience is with him all yep. the way with it. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um, I, I was surprised when he actually addressed someone in the audience, but then I see, I see how important that is. Yeah. Because it's very chancy. Oh, very yeah. Very chancy thing oh, yeah. to do. No, but, he, a few years ago, said that he was going to quit. He was thinking about quitting live performing because, uh, and this was, I think, in New England, he was getting heckled is what we used to call it. But with social media, it's really just the um, lack of decorum in communicating with people that social media has fostered. And that has found its way into these clubs where comedians are trying to perform. People feel like they have the right to... To comment. Yeah. Right, right. And, and the Closer, which is the episode I saw yeah. last, Closer, he talks about that. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact that he was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, two years, goodbye, so long. You know? Right. Yeah. And so the, the, the LGBTQ question mark yeah. thing Plus, is, yeah. <laughs> is something that um, I, I really can't take a stand on. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've got, I've, you know, I'm, I, I, it sounds so trite to say, well, some of my best friends are transsexuals. Right. No, I don't have any transsexual friends, but I have worked with transsexuals. Yeah. And it's like, what? What's the big deal? Yeah. yeah. But um, he has been able to skewer that community in a way mm-hmm. with his comic routine yep. where he hangs so much shit on it. Oh, yeah. Pardon the word. Yeah. But yep. he, yep. he did that, and that was his target, you know? You yeah. talk about punching down. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, and it gets into suffering, you know, like everyone raises their hand to say, well, you know, I've suffered more. And really, right. Chappelle was just focusing on, I think one line was, well, you know, one, you can shoot a black man, you know, in the street. Right. That was, and that was the cares. opener, yeah. But, you know, if, if you call a trans person, you know, uh, a derogatory term, you know, the world burns. Or yeah, speed, right. Or yeah. You lose your career. Right. He's talking about uh, the baby. Right. Uh, another uh, meme that he uses is the Cassius Clay thing. Yeah. Cassius yeah. Clay, you know, changing his name. Right. Whoa. Ali, yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, it's been it's interesting it's because I, I actually I spend a lot more time on Twitter than I do on Facebook these days. And the debate is there. And, you know, and it came down to that word, they. And all I wrote was, I just wish there was a new word to recognize the new consciousness, the post-binary consciousness that we are in. I wish there was a new word to recognize that. Would there, yes, would there would be, yeah. And all these people came at me with, you don't understand. Somebody actually gave me the Webster's Dictionary. Oh, goodness. Um, somebody cites that it was first used in the 13th century. I'm like... Uh, Shakespeare guy here, so yeah, I'm I'm very well aware of that. On the other hand, and and then they actually use the argument of thou, thou is no longer used because <laughs> blah blah blah. I'm like, you're you're kind of making my point. So I finally, instead of trying to argue a point, just kept saying, yes, I understand that, and you must understand that at the very least, there are the phantoms of English teachers that generations of us have in our heads. That will keep us from using that word without precision. Yeah. And nobody can has a reasonable response to that. But I'm so grateful that Chappelle allowed me to talk to dozens of people yeah. coming at me about this. And not once have I been called a turf. And I was like, because <gasps> before I asked once online, I asked once asked a question and immediately see turfs get in here. And I was like, whoa, what is a turf? 
Yeah, well, give us TERF. TERF is... He defined um, it, but I don't remember. Transphobic, um, something, something feminist, and it's a term that, again, came up in the UK. It's the person, the poster child of it is probably J.K. Rowling. Um, Oh. And so it's that that same split I was talking about. These folks are saying, you're not wanting us to use the bathroom. I'm like, I don't care what bathrooms you use. I really don't. Not my problem. But I am questioning the idea of... How do we get clear? Like they test women for the level of testosterone that they have in order to compete in high level sure. sports. And Joe Rogan pointed that out and got to completely burned yeah. on that. Well, right. He does have a. I mean, he has a uh, um, a Spotify. Uh, is it Netflix? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. what deal, but he, they try to cancel him, but he's making money. <laughs> I mean, right. He's well, doing real, really. Yeah. If you're raising the question, and you are willing to listen to these people and their situation, their oppression. It's real. No question of that. How do we manage it and how do we move forward? And that's the question I want to raise is how do, can we come to an agreement on how to move forward or does it just have to be your way or I'm just evil bad? Right. And that's the thing. I mean, when I speak to older people, like we had, we had two trans people on the A. Mm -hmm. We had Karen Bishia, yeah. Who was a younger trans woman. Yeah. And we had Sherilyn Connolly. Yeah. An older trans woman. Yeah. And, you know, Karen didn't really want to talk about, you know, her past or anything like that. She wanted to focus right. on the show. Right. Um, Sherilyn was very, very open to talking about it. And also when we had John Fisher on, who is a gay man. Right. I found the older generation of those who are gay, trans, you know, uh, mm-hmm. whatever your sexual identity is, mm-hmm. they really don't care. I mean, it's, it's as if they had their battles already. Like you, you mm. had your battles in the '80s and '90s as far as acceptance and people accepting you. And they're yeah. like, "Listen, yeah. I can yeah. really care less mm. what you think. I'm just going to do my own thing. As long as you don't interfere with me doing my yeah. own thing, yeah. Yeah. then who right. cares?" Right. And I think as black people, you know, we feel the same way. It's like, listen, you can say as many racist things you want in your own home, just don't prevent me from getting a job. Right. Right. Or getting my home or living my life. But yeah. that means we've yeah. also raised a new generation of people who are going. Given that, that that we aren't hiding, that we aren't hiding, we aren't, you know, keeping our mouths shut. Right. We've been told we don't have to do that anymore. This new generation is going, well, if we don't have to keep our mouths shut, how about real equality? How about full equality? And I totally get that. But I am old and I'm tired. So I'm like, uh, you kids go fight that fight. Uh, yay for you. I, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Maybe but I'll send you some money. But just the reaction of. Well, you have to accept me. You have to call me for who I am, or you have to accept, you know, my life or whatever through your language and all of that stuff, or yeah. I'm going to cancel you. I can understand that, but you realize yeah. everyone is not going to accept you. You know, someone's going to have a bad thought about you. Yeah. Someone's going to say something bad on social media about you. You don't have to react. I guess I'm the whole the business of reacting. You know, like well, yeah. like I compared it to um, what we started off talking about with theater um, and or maybe that was before we got on mic, but I'm talking about uh, Theater Bay Area is looking for new executive directors. So they are talking to varying constituencies to get feedback about what needs to happen. Well, I was in a BIPOC leadership constituency giving this feedback, and of course we got into diversity, equity, inclusivity, and that conversation, and how important it is, and how at the very least Theater Bay Area as an organization needs to model that we were 100% on the same page about that. But then it got into all the companies need to do it. And we need to think about enforcement mechanisms on this. And I had to call a timeout on that and go, hey, 
There are little theater companies. There are the community theater companies. There are the musical theater companies. There are all kinds of tiny little theater companies or not so tiny theater companies spread throughout the Bay Area. And not all of them are going to feel, you know, like it's something that these are not issues that they may want to focus on. I think there should be a focus on it. I think we should encourage that focus, but I don't want to exclude those companies. And I don't think a company, an organization that calls itself the service organization of Bay Area Theater has the right to exclude those folks, to try and encourage them, to try and... You've got to, you've got, what you're supposed to reflect is what is Bay Area Theater. You're not defining what Bay Area Theater is. You are reflecting it. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that's where I am with all of this is I feel like, can I live in this world that you want, this perfect world that you want? And I'm not opposed to that perfect world, but how do we get there from where we are? Um, is, there, is it suddenly going to be Squid Games? Is it going to be a cutoff? And they go, okay, <laughs> 10 minutes is up and all the rest of you, brrr, yeah. we just blast I mean, listen, away. if a little community, let's say Marin Shakespeare Company, they only want to do things their way because their community wants only things their way. Can, yeah. Should we force them? to do something that their own community doesn't want to do. I think encourage, but not force, no. Yeah. Do you, as a director or whatever you're casting, mm -hmm. say you're casting uh, Macbeth and a trans woman comes to be Lady Macbeth and mm -hmm. wants to read for that role. Mm -hmm. And here, it physically, characteristically, obviously, that's a guy with a dress on. That, that's that's the way people that's, like. That's somebody who they, they would say, sure, has yeah. a physicality. And, because and, they're, they're, and you're so distracted by this mm -hmm. that you're not paying attention to the interpretation of the role or the part. I, or I, will, I will flip it. Um, in Pericles, the queen, Pericles' queen who supposedly dies and then comes back to life. Spoiler alert. Sorry, y'all. At the end of the play, she comes back to life. Is played by Leontine. Leontine is taller than me. She is... She is a, a large woman, mm -hmm. you know. She, I wouldn't say she's not overweight, but she is. She's big bone. She's got broad shoulders. She is a big, strong woman. Mm -hmm. There's a moment in the recap where they show how they met and how they got married, and they do a little dance. I'm circling my fingers. They mm -hmm. do this little thing where they walk around each other as they're doing the lines. Very cute. Very, very cute. Mm -hmm. She goes to crown. He wins a contest, and that's how he gets. He wins her hand. Um, he wins a contest. She's supposed to crown him. He bends over to get the crown, and she drops it on the ground, and he picks it up. Well, the way they'd originally blocked it, Ron, who is like her height, um, picks up the crown, puts it on very quickly, and they do the little circle. I'm stepping in for my first performance, and I just don't have all the blocking down. So I grab the crown, but I'm like, what do I do with the crown? <laughs> she takes it from me mm -hmm. and puts it on. She crowns me. So she has a taller woman crowning me. It was gorgeous. Everybody who saw it was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, if I were casting that Lady M and Leontine came in and did it, I would be like, oh, my God. I now have to think about rather than worrying about getting a guy who's taller than her. Exactly. exactly. I'm going to talk about I'm going to think about telling the story of this strong, this physically strong woman, this large woman and a man who may not be physically her equal. Yeah. And what is that relationship? Because not only is that true, not only is that real, not only is that historical, but it's also unique to the way we tell stories. So that's how I would deal with that. If a trans woman comes in and wants to be Lady M, 
and gives me a great performance, I'm going to start wrapping my head around what story am I telling now? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at a poster now Very right good. behind you, Water Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And in that scene, we had a transgendered man, uh, actually a good friend of mine, Raymond Ray. Mm -hmm. um, he was in uh, the play. Also, we had Travis Bedard on. Uh, and I don't know if you remember Travis, um, but he and Bob Zick, uh, they came from New Hampshire to uh, be involved in both um, Bay Stage, the company that I was involved in, and also EastEnders for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in any case, Travis played a woman, Gita Ukraine, in this very, very black comedy, which mm -hmm. is Water Buffalo. And there's a scene where um, Bob Zick falls in love with Gita, mm -hmm. <clears throat> played by Travis. And uh, but he's also married to this other woman, mm -hmm. and the woman gets revenge on her husband Bob mm -hmm. by hooking up with Ray, Raymond Ray. Right. So, but and and the audience they buy into it, and of it's course. zany. Yes, it's almost Seinfeldish because yeah. you know it all fits into the script and the zaniness of it, and you know the they don't even look like a couple, you know whatever the cross sure. couples are. Right. But it works, and so I would say. You know, if you're a director or whatever, you know, you don't, it's it's not so much, you know, what is reality, but what works for. Well, and I would say that is reality. Yeah. What, what we're debating these days is, is there room for a new perspective, a new reality on this? And I would say there is. You just have to be conscious of what is the story you're putting in front of an audience. Yeah. And, and I, like, I had no interest in directing Shakespeare when I was first directing mm -hmm. because, and I love acting Shakespeare, but I feel like the stories have been told over and over and over again, and I'm tired of them. But when we start talking, like the last time I did, before this, the last show I did, Shakespeare I did, was Midsummer Night's Dream, and I played Titania. That was, and it blew my mind. I was like, how do I how play Titania? Yeah. Well, and a woman played. You, you, and you look like your mom, right? Oberon. And I look like my mom in the thing. Um, but it just, <laughs> it tells a different story. And I think that is what, I really believe that's what the trans community is asking us to do. And as a small frame man, I've spent my life, I spent my young adult life feeling like I was not a real man, like I was less than, like mm. something was wrong. And at a certain point, I realized, you know what? The ladies ain't got no problem. I can do all this other stuff. I can run with you. I can do all the things that a man sure, can do. Sure, but yeah. I can't do the things that a Joe Montana does. No, I'm sure. not that guy. Yeah. Um, so I don't tell that story. And here's a weird one. I'm hoping, I'm, at this point, I'm pretty sure I'm not being called back. But um, I got called back for a play. And the character I'm being called back for, he says, they actually send out the monologue for the callbacks. And he says, I like you, John. You're gentle. I like gentle. Me? I'm rough. I'm tough. He says, I'm hard. Hard and tough. So they saw my audition and they sent me back an email and said, Norman, could you, could you make it a little more tough? And I was like... Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, there are people in the world who are, in some ways, physically and in whatever ways, similar to me, but they <clears throat> exude to the world a toughness. Well, How yeah. do I act that? And that was what I had to go back into that same monologue and figure out how I could find that. If I get the role, yeah. you'll know that you I was able yeah. to pull yeah. that. But it's unfortunate <laughs> because, you know, there are these proverbial boxes you know, these uh, cliches of what a man is, what a woman is, what toughness yeah. is. Yeah. And you have one group of artists or creatives who try to break these boxes apart and yeah. say, listen, there's a new definition. Yep. But then you have folks who still stay in these same boxes. Yeah. We need you to be more tougher. 
Yeah. And it yeah. even goes in the other way. I remember John Fisher said, Reg, can you be more gayer? Yeah. And I'm like, right. well, I'll do my best. <laughs> right. They said, what? We were doing 100 Years of Queer Theater. Were you involved in that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what the direction he gave me. <laughs> Be gayer. God. Yeah. Well, and, and I John understand Fisher that. said that? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> same, on, same on you, John. No, I totally get it. Yeah. I understand it. Um, and I think that's, that's what I'm arguing for is that spectrum. Now, on the one hand, I am less interested in going and seeing something within that neat little box. I am way fascinated by the, if I heard there was a Midsummer Night's Dream and some guy that I knew was playing Titania, I'd be like, like, I don't even get that vibe. What what is that going to be? Now I'm curious. And I find more and more I'm playing these roles. It started a few years ago when I started playing parent roles, and I'm not a parent, have never been a parent. And probably never will be. I mean, I'm a step-parent now. Yeah. But it was different. I haven't raised children, so when a character is talking about that, I had to draw on other things. Yeah. And now, at my age, I'm dealing with, like, I'm loving that I get to play, like, um, we did Hamlet. I played Polonius, the father Mm -hmm. of Laertes Mm -hmm. and Ophelia, the, you know. Sure. You know, best friends, Hamlet's homies, Hamlet's best friends. Right. And and the counselor to the king. Now, counselor to the king, I've been playing throughout my career, but parent of adult children, huh, that was new for me. And when I discovered what I could bring to it, I felt really good about the performance. Well, you've been a teacher, I was about to say. There's that, but I mean, not adults, though. I mean, I found this awkwardness. I don't know if you guys have gone through this, but suddenly you're hanging out with somebody, a peer, supposed peer, coworker, whatever, and like uh, there was a guy that worked on As You Like It a few years ago and said, let's go out one time. Let's go out and have a beer or, you know, have a drink. So we went to a bar and we're hanging out, and he kept making references to video games. No. (laughs) He kept making references to cartoons that he'd grown up on. No, <laughs> right. none of that. Um, I would make reference to somebody like, say, Dan Quayle. Mm-hmm. And he'd go, who was he again? And I'm like, oh, my God. I, yeah, yeah. I, I've, been, I've been on some dates like that. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. It's like, well, that's old. I, I don't remember that. I'm like, okay, right. Ridge, I got to stop well, dating these young girls. And so yeah. what I realized is those parents that I'm playing yeah. in the situation have those. And the, the playwright has given you some information that you can use. But some of it is just that same thing. I've seen plenty of parents who, even though they're parents, are awkward as fuck in their parenting. Yeah. And they continue to be, even as their kids grow up. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm one of those parents. Maybe that's what this character is. And instead of me feeling like I'm not good enough, recognize that there are lots of parents all over the world who feel like they're not good enough, who feel like their parenting is, is inadequate. And that's a normal way to feel. So instead of me feeling like I'm not a good enough actor because I don't have this life experience, no, put that in the character. Bring that inadequacy into the character. Absolutely. It's so much, though, Norman, about the director. The director who's viewing what you're doing and interpreting the role. Mm -hmm. And it's up to her to get to you to say, listen, you need this, you need that, think yep. about the other. Yep. It is not up to her to say, be gayer. It's not up to her to say, <laughs> be older. Yeah. You don't, right. What are they be talking specific. about? And be the, specific thing, about it. And the thing is, they cast you. They had to cast yeah. you for a reason. Yep. You know, if they say, well, you're not bringing me this memory. I have to react as an actor to say, well, you casted me. What did you see right. when I auditioned for you? 
that I can amplify. Or specifically, or, what am I not seeing? I think that's what you're getting at, John. Yeah. Yeah. What am I? What am I the actor exactly. missing that's that what the, the script director, yeah. needs? That's that the director's job. Yes. And that's more specific than be gayer. Oh yeah, you right. Know, yes. Be this is more of a an attraction scene. So let us see. And and I love doing that. Carolina is um, she's Latina. Carolina uh, Moronis, yes. Yeah, Moronis, um, Latina. Um, you can see some a little bit of some African heritage. She's, she's street hip. A little bit. No, no, no. I mean, just in terms of visually what she Uh is. Her hair is a little curly. There's a few things about her that give you a little sense of that. Maybe there's some black in there somewhere. But if I am meeting (laughs) her and discovering in the moment that this is my child and that scene goes on, that discovery takes a while. I'm like, well, there's some obvious reasons why. If she was brown, if she looked like my mother or her mother maybe I would make that connection sooner. But because she doesn't, I'm not making that connection. And Lordy, that is so real. Like my brother and his son do not look alike. He really took on his mother's characteristics. His skin color is so light, he does not look black. And his hair, he keeps so short. So there's almost no Mm. indicator that he has black in him. But he, I know he's, I was there. I, I wasn't in the room when he was born, but I was there. I know like, that yeah. he's my nephew. I know he's my son's. And so I love being able to bring that experience into a play where the playwright may have no consciousness around that, but right. you cast me, right. and that's what I bring to it. And a smart director will recognize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That is exactly right. I wanted to, because, boy, we are burning. I mean, I love these podcasts <laughs> where we just talk, you know, just stream of conscience about everything. I just figure we're going to get in trouble over this one, man. I'm like, oh, no, not we at all. stepped we need, into it. We, we need to talk about these things. And I also mm-hmm. wanted to talk about, although it has nothing to do, I, I wonder who gets the proverbial hall pass. So this past, uh, so um, John, this gets into a little bit of sports. Yeah. John Gruden, uh, oh, the former yeah. coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, he in 2011 wrote a uh, an email to another individual supposed to be you know a private uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, communication, uh, communication. Mm-hmm. basically uh, bad mouthing a black guy who was a leader of the NFL Players Association, saying mm-hmm. he has big lips. Right, you know, the classic you know right. racial thing to say. John Gruden got on camera, apologized. Hey, it was, you know, we were contract negotiations, and I just, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I'm went sorry. to the crude place. Copa. Yeah. Um, but then they uncovered a bunch of other emails, right. and of course, that just tanked him. You know, he was talking yeah. about women, he was talking yeah. about other things, and boom. Well, Sage Steele of ESPN, a yes. black woman. Oh, that, oh, God, I'm so tired of her. Talked about Barack Obama saying, yes. well, I don't understand why he's identifying as black. His father left him. Right. As if, Okay, he's he's going to walk away. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, black Republicans will do this. They'll say, right. you know, I've been rejected by my black community, so therefore I'm going to walk away from my blackness. Right. And she she expected Barack Obama to do that. So ESPN didn't punish her for that. Right. But she had something to say about COVID nineteen because they're expecting every yep. one of their employees to be vaccinated. Right. There's a mandate going around. Yeah. And actually, that's another big thing going around in, in the country. Yeah. Some countries are saying. I mean, some. Companies, organizations, companies, uh, government organizations. Biden basically right. says all government employees must be vaccinated. Right. It's a mandate. Yep, it's happening in the NFL and the NBA. Kyrie Irving is about to lose his right. contract because he oh, I thought refuses. he finally agreed. I thought he finally agreed. No, another guy did. Um, oh, 
uh, a warrior, Golden State Warrior. Uh huh. Yes. Did. Right. Yeah. But Kyrie is with the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, and yes. in New York, you yeah. have to be vaccinated. So, in any case, Safe Steel was like, "Oh, you know, this is total oppression. This is like Nazi Germany." You know, oh, and, right. Yes. <laughs> and they punished her for that. Yep. Not the Obama quote. Yep. <laughs> so she gets a hall pass. You know, I just wonder. You know, what's there's a cultural war going on. And oh boy. Is yeah. it ever? Yeah. Yes, it's a digital. It is a digital mob, and all over on both on all sides. I won't say both sides. It's all over the place. There is yeah. this digital war, and it reminds me of. And I say mob specifically because I'm thinking of the old west with the mobs and the uh, posse's. Yeah, because all you had to do was say, "Hey, somebody did something. Let's everybody get together and go get them." And we're a posse, and yeah. maybe String the sheriff up. said Gang you're a posse. Justice, yeah. And then when you get out there, it's that justice. And I love that we have that power through social media to go, oh, hell no, that was wrong, and this is why it's wrong, and brad- broadcast it to the world, yeah. and then maybe that person suffers consequences for it. But what it really shows is our systems are so inadequate to deal with these people. Like you said, she says something like that. There should have been some organizational, hey, you know, that's, that's a more complicated situation, and maybe you shouldn't say that. Maybe you should apologize. You're reflecting badly on our organization. We should do something yeah. about it. Before they can do it, social media has already, you know, oh, boy, yeah. gotten the torches yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. And also the Republicans, I mean, you know, the whole Kyrie Irving making a statement, basically saying freedom, you know, it's right. freedom to not be vaccinated. I'm sorry, did you say Carlin Kaepernick? Is that what you just said? Oh, no, uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, <laughs> right, that's Kyrie right, never Irving. mind. Freedom. And some are comparing him to Magic Johnson. I know, that's been the craziest. Basically saying, well, Magic Johnson could play and he had AIDS. Right. What's the problem with Kyrie Irving? And he may have COVID-19. I mean, <laughs> even Joe Rogan is saying, well, it's better to get COVID so that you can be uh, immune Right, this herd words. immunity or natural immunity yeah. fallacy, which is crazy. He he did a three hour thing with uh, Sanjay Gupta, who yes. was a doctor who basically and Sanjay oh, that's how Gupta got him. in it. Okay. Yeah, it was basically saying, listen, it's dangerous to convince people. Just get the vaccine. I mean, I'm not. Right. I'm sorry. Just get COVID nineteen. Get sick, and then once you're over it, you won't have to worry about it again. I mean, John, if I Coop, wait a minute, Gupta said that. No, not no. That was Rogan said. That. Okay, yeah. Gupta was like, "No, don't do that." No, don't do that because exactly. you can still pass it on. Do you know how guilty I would feel, John, having you here and right. we are all vaccinated? Right. Let's suppose I lied and said that I'm vaccinated and I'm not, and something happened to you and you died right. or, or right. something like that. I would feel so guilty. I mean, we should we need to have it's criminal. About this. It it's is. criminal. Yeah, it's horrible. So yeah, you know. it sure is. And to compare it to Magic, I mean, you know, that that is just. I mean, it's, it's not like Magic Johnson wanted to get AIDS, and it's right. not like he wasn't taking his medication. He was taking. Right. That's the reason right. why he's alive now. Right. And Shall I put my mask on now? Is that the no? <laughs> you're, 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 you're totally. Fine. I've got it. <laughs> John, while you're here, I wanted to talk. Uh, you wrote a wonderful piece, and it got Westinghouse recognition from Westinghouse. Really? Take it to the Peep Show. Yeah. Can you? T- I mean, I know it was done a long, long time ago, but just because uh, I want to sort of showcase you and, uh, you know, we have you on and we haven't really been talking about you, but I want to sort of, you know, pimp you up because we did we did some scenes from Tickets to the Peep Show up, at, at uh, EastEnders and I thought it was just a wonderful piece. Basically, I think it's a Latina woman. She's at a, um, a movie theater. I'm not sure if it's a porn movie theater or a movie theater, and she's sweeping and she's rec- she's she's telling all sorts of stories. I mean, I'm I'm generalizing it, but what was it about? I can't believe that you still think about it or know or remember that thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just in the 
darkest mist of, <laughs> of the past. But Ticket for the Peep Show was my first attempt to write a three-act. three, three act. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the room and the space, and I did it. And, and I was inspired by the poem title. The title comes from a poem by an English uh, poet. And it triggered me. And at that same time, I was already immersed in a lot of Warner Brothers old movies like Petrified Forest. And so what I did was I took the scattered remnants of what I remembered of Petrified Forest and those like films and put it into a three-act play um, that has to do with a a Mexican woman cleaning an inn. It's an inn that uh, is a place for people to stop at, like a, a motel mm-hmm. on, on the empty road between L.A. and, and Vegas. And it's kind of just a, a, a confrontation sort of business where you bring people in, you explain who they are, they argue, and they have their discussion, and you try, as a playwright, you try to maintain that thread so that the audience understands where you're going with it and everything has to be has to work just right it's it's a it's a tricky thing to do because i had about 10 characters to work through on that and um it was hard job did you did it ever get a formal production i mean uh if westing it sounds like you got funding for it yeah well uh, westinghouse said this is fine here's uh i got a an entree to Stanford. They paid for a couple of years, you know, on basis of being awarded a scholarship or whatever they call them, on the basis of that play. And they said, okay, let's see, you know, and write it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got uh, immersed in, I moved from playwriting mm-hmm. to radio TV work. And I got an internship at NBC. And in the trunk was Ticket for the Peep Show that never got out of the trunk mm. never got reshaped and never got produced oh what a shame but I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure we did some readings of it at EastEnders and I was really really impressed oh I, I drag its corpse around <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah well I mean as you know we have writers who listen to us and we brought on writers and uh, it's one of the things that we haven't even talked about Norman and I but you know there are I still have you know like plays that I wrote and let's say it didn't get the time of day but even you, uh, you know, when I applied for um, Playground, Playground. Mm-hmm. you told me, hey, you know, even if you don't have a new play that you're working on, if you've got some old stuff, it could still be used. So, you know, yeah. we still encourage folks, uh, you know, you have... Well, especially things that haven't been produced yet. Yeah. It's not like you haven't got the idea just because you got the idea years ago. If it's Because Playground, every month, it's a prompt. So there's some, they're asking you as a writer to write on this theme. If you've already written on the theme, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, exactly. And especially if it's still relevant. I mean, if it still yeah. has, you know, that, the nuances, you know, the, the embers are still there. So yeah. I'm hoping that uh, it gets, uh, you know, a new breath of life, um, you know, one of these days. Um, I'm trying to think of one last thing. Uh, well, there, oh, so there are a couple of uh, mentions that I wanted to bring up. And actually, it's 12.15, so mm-hmm. we may need to close it up. Uh, we had Sonia Soccer on, and uh, I forget, I think she may have been one episode 143. Um, remember she talked about her play Cray, which is about a woman who is giving birth to a child, and she has postpartum uh, depression. yeah. yeah. Uh, as a result, yes. and she talked about her own experiences, mm-hmm. and she came on the yay because she wanted to 
uh, promote the uh, the movie. Well, she's got the funding, and it is will be at the Roxy Theater on the 23rd of um, October. And uh, she was very, very thankful. As a matter of fact, I'll read to you what she sent to us. Uh, let's see oh. here. She was very, very uh, grace, gracious for our um, our helping her mm-hmm. uh, do it. Here, here it is. Uh, here it is. Uh, I want to invite you and Norman to the private screening of Cray. It's happening 1023 at 130 p.m. at the Roxy Theater in the Mission. Tickets are pay what you can, so no pressure to donate. Mm. It's just my way of raising money for post-production. And then she says, thanks so much for the kind words. I appreciate so much that you had me on your podcast and helped spread the word. So, you know, this is what the yay is all about. We're about, you know, helping individuals, helping people's projects, getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, her, um, pl- uh, her um, I call, call it play. I think it's a, it's a movie based on a play. But, you know, it's, it's, we, we bred life, life into it, so that's awesome. I don't know mm. Sonia, but, yeah, I'd love to go and, and take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good, good for her. Good for her. Um, I guess it's time for uh, shout-outs, birthdays. Oh, <laughs> we got there already. Uh, so, God, names I'm going to mangle. Oh, you know what? You know, I, wanted, I did want to talk about because we go talked ahead. about it before off mic, but I think it's important. What I call the decline of the artistic director. You know, the artistic mm-hmm. director has been, um, and we talked about it before we got onto the mic. You know, you have a board of directors or someone who has supplies the money for a particular theater company. They bring on an artistic director to say, hey, can you guide, you know, and guide this ship or guide this theater company, mm-hmm. bring on new plays and bring on new people to push us in a direction. And then along the way, I guess there's a disconnect or there is, uh, you know, things just don't gel. And all of a sudden the a difference director in vision. Yeah. is pushed away. And it's something that I'm interested in, just the relationship between, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if you've ever been an artistic director or been put in that position. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope the public theater, I was definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but you, I mean, that was sort of your show. I mean, you, right. you didn't have to answer to anyone. Um, but. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I remember. God, all the way back, 90s. Um, and some economic, you know, this the bust, boom bust cycles. Yeah. So the economy tanks. Of course, everybody who's got a political dog in the fight is using that to say, y'all screwed up or y'all should have done this or whatever. Um, all kinds of adjustments happen across the country, ripples. Um, and I worried because I thought, wow, if people don't have money, if people don't have disposable income, then they're not going to go to theater. What's going to happen to theater? Well, fortunately, the funding, you know, made sure that it reached in to support theater. But also, like, jump forward a little bit to 2001. After 9-11, you know, after that initial moment of everybody in stunned and everything stopping, when we came back, people packed theaters. Shows sold out that season. Sure. Because people needed it. They, yeah. they went and they... So I recognized, wait, all these arguments about something based on the economy um, kind of covers up these maybe... These disconnects, these differences in perspective and vision that may exist in a company, in an organization. And suddenly the moment comes where we say, well, we have to do things differently. We've got to figure out how to reconfigure the budget. And oh, by the way, we can get rid of you. <laughs> Yeah, because that'll take X amount of money off the table. I feel right. like that's what happens because we've seen it with a couple of organizations, and I don't know if we want to out them, but where they get rid of the position, and then a couple of years later they announce that they're going forward, and there's a new person, and so it's like, oh, so the organization didn't go away, and that that 
need to downsize is over now. And now that you can afford this position again, you don't just hire that person back. You go in a new direction, which right. is what I suspect you wanted in the first place. Exactly. That's exactly my point because uh, you don't you don't fire someone. I mean, well, I mean, it really is a firing when you get eliminate yeah. a position and then you yeah. bring back position. Really, yeah. you you fired someone. Yeah. And uh, you don't do that unless there's a problem. And I wonder, you know, uh, if 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 there's an organization that brought in, and of course, there you can bring in individuals who don't have the right mindset. Let's say they gave a good interview. And they were faking it or, you know, right. they said they're going to do something and they don't do it. They don't produce. Um, and maybe it is financial. Maybe it is like, hey, listen, you know, mm. you did a couple of productions and we did a couple of seasons and we're not seeing we're not bringing in the revenue that we want. Or right. audience members are not happy with what you're they're bringing not right. In. They're not enjoying this this shift. Right. And it's something that I've asked Susan Evans and I've asked Don Monique Williams, who are directors. Mm -hmm. Can you bring on a piece that antagonizes the audience or that challenges the audience. Mm -hmm. When do you bring them the sugar water or when do you challenge them? I mean, John, what do you think? I mean, as an audience member, do you enjoy being challenged or do you want to, hey, I paid my money, I want to see what I want. What do you think? Well, I'm disappointed if I'm not challenged. There you go. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the excitement of theater is, you know, when that curtain goes up, you don't know what's going to happen. And right. that's a member of the audience. You may have read the play, you may have seen the movie version, you may have even seen another production of that play. Yeah. But when that curtain goes up, it's a totally different world, a different uh, yeah. imagination at work. I mean, I... I and so uh, the challenge, I don't know where the challenge would come from exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, some, some individuals, I mean, I enjoy being challenged as well. I mean, we talked about slave play, you know, uh, oh, I was mentioning that right. slave play that came, it was a Broadway uh, thing that I don't think even got a mention of a Tony. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even think it got a nomination. Right. Yet... It not only you know stirred up all sorts of conversations. Oh, a magnificent mm -hmm. play! And, yeah. But it was just a riveting and a magnificent play. And and I wonder, you know, um, can you build a theater that can still challenge people? Yet, um, do you have to make the financial decision? Well, if if we're going to survive, we have to give them people what they want. Too much theater is 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 populated by. And I'm 85 years old, okay? It's populated like, by people like me, gray hairs, who come with our preconceived notions, who are uh, just not in the mood to do anything. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, I'm so-and-so old, old, you know, and I don't care anymore. Right. So don't, don't give me a lot of that bullshit, you know? <laughs> I, I, I want... Uh, right. Yeah, give me Neil Simon. You know, yeah. what happened to Neil Simon? You know, what is all this? You know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because, you know, the audience may be older, but the talent is usually younger. That's, that's oh, the dichotomy. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yep. That's, that's what is interesting about theater now. Yeah. And, of course, the younger folks who are on stage, they want to tell their stories and they want to challenge, you know, the audience to say, hey, listen, this is my story and I have the right. If you're going to pay to watch me, mm -hmm. watch my story. Yeah. But that tug of war, it's like, hey, listen, you know, the person in the audience may be like, I don't want to see this. I'm not paying any money. And therefore, so there's that financial tug of war, mm -hmm. and then, which comes a cultural tug of war. Yeah, yeah because we were talking about trans, uh, transgender people, trans, yeah. transsexuals. There are friends of mine, not friends, but acquaintances who say, I heard that play has got people in it who are not a sex, you know? Right. They, oh, yeah, they yeah, call yeah, themselves yeah, yeah. they. You know, I'm not going to that play. No, no. They would actually. And they, my my wife feels like the best performance in Pericles was um, 
I don't even know how to to, to phrase it. The the actor is a they. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to call the character. I guess the character would have been a trans man, but that made it. It was a man. Uh-huh. It, it really was. Um, and in <laughs> and, so many ways, the power dynamics, the relationship, the eventual mm-hmm. romantic relationship that, that was developed in this storyline. And that really was the best performance in the play. Just that scene was just so clear and wow. And yeah, I could sit there going, huh, is that? I don't know. Is it? You know, I mean, it, yeah. it makes me think of growing up, um, people like Dom DeLuise, who I would see in a show, and I'm like, what's up with him? There's something funny about him. I guess that was the word we used back then. There's something funny about him. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's that kind is a of term. Yeah. different. And I'm like, well, but he's also, like, he's playing the uncle in some movie. That's your uncle. That's who that is. That's your father's brother. That's who that is. Those people exist. They have always existed. Yeah, yeah. And for us to not tell stories that include them is ridiculous. <laughs> I was bringing up birthdays, and lo and behold, I uh, pulled up a picture of you, and John. That, that chap there. It's <laughs> oh, his nice. birthday as well. That's exactly right. We might as well get into birthdays. I was just pulling okay. up the Facebook, and all of a sudden, Aaron Martinson had a bunch of pictures that, we, that was pried open. That was the last time we, you and I were on stage. Yeah. Uh, for EastEnders, I should say. Exactly. I, I, I feel birthdays. I feel, um, I feel like I want to do a special post uh, just for the last month of birthdays because I feel like we touched almost <laughs> well, none of Well, Norman, them. here's a birthday present for you. Ah, a nice box of cookies. Sweetheart and, cookies. Oh, yeah. wow. Shortbread. And there's a little window on it you can open up and see if it's fresh. <laughs> oh. So happy birthday, Norman. Right Shoot. on. Hey, hey. And once again, happy post birthday to you, uh, John. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, other birthdays this week. Today is Taranj Yagazarian. Yes. Um, uh, Ro, Rolanda Dene. Um, somebody that I know local, James Davis. Uh, uh, actually a regular at the alley, but I will include him in our theater birthdays because he, I know him because he was doing music in high school with another friend, and that's how we got connected. Um, Allison Luderman, local playwright. Hey, we had her on. Uh, William Brown the Third, William J. Brown the Third, mm-hmm. who runs a company now called Perspective Theater, um, and they think their show either just closed or it's closing this weekend. Um, Alan Quismorio. Yay. Uh, Jessica Richard, somebody I met when I was at Cal Shakes, who is now actually in administration in theater. And I'm like, ooh, you were just like the intern, and now you're you're the boss. I love it. <laughs> Moving on up. Um, Jennifer LeBlanc uh, is an um, amazing actor, and I think a new um, a new writer in uh, Playground. Oh, right uh, on. I think I think she may have been part of the company last year. She's definitely in this year. And uh, Cliff Mayot is somebody who had a little company called Rough and Tumble. Okay. And wow, I thought you'd have a bigger list. <laughs> I only do the week. I, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. For all you other birthday kids of the last month and a half, I we're going to do a special post for you. <laughs> all righty. My list, uh, you already touched Torange. We had her on. Uh, Aaron Martinson, he is 37 years old. Wow, he doesn't, I mean, you know, we were just doing Pride Open. I think it was 2009, and I'm looking at a picture of him. And uh, he actually, I wrote a little uh, piece called, uh, oh, shucks, Father to Son, <laughs> where me, a black man, is, you know, is the father of um, Aaron, uh, a white guy. Um, That's a challenge. 
You were that, talking about challenges. Yeah, yeah exactly. I um, I accused him of being gay, and he was not gay. That was the part. That was uh, the subject of the play. Uh-huh. Any case, um, let's see. Uh, I'm going through my list. Oh, my my. Of course, I, my sister, uh, Nicole oh. Miller. Yeah. Who was dutifully taking care of my mom. Uh, uh, Nicole is 35 years old. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, sis. And thank you yeah. so much. Christine Uren. Her birthday yes. was yesterday. And I'm looking at a picture of her. She and I, well, we've had her on. And we've had her and her husband, Gene, on for our um, love special that we had on the A. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, if anyone looks at the posters that I have at my... Um, in my little space, mm-hmm. a lot of these were designed by Christine. She's a wonderful. Oh yes, I have. Uh, I have one of her paintings. You know, uh, a Is wonderful that? work she did. Oh wow! Oh, she painted. I didn't know she paints. Oh yeah! Wow, woman of many talents uh, mm-hmm. and a great actress. So mm-hmm. that uh, her birthday was yesterday. Uh, there's my sister Nicole Miller. Um, on the seventeenth, uh, Damaris Devito. We had her on. Yes. Latina actress. Um, she that's right. She was in. I wrote a little play called uh, Judicial Process, and she was my cleaning lady. But we were also involved in um, Dragon Eggs. Um, we did a little piece together. So she's a wonderful, wonderful actress from New York, and yeah, um, you know she's fantastic. So her birthday is on the seventeenth. Also on the seventeenth, Dale Murphy. Um, I'm trying to think where I acted with him. I think we did. Bat What's Boy, the, the today's musical. Today's the sixth. Today is no. the sixteenth. Yeah, sixteenth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dale Murphy and I, we did Bat Boy, and he's been really, really helpful in uh, getting me jobs. Every now and then, I'll get a phone call. Hey, Dale, you know, referred you to me. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. I, you know, thank you, Dale, for that. Um, a good friend of mine. She is not an actress, but she is a creative. She uh, runs Sisters of the Drum. Her name is Mar Stevens. And uh, her birthday is on the 18th. Basically, an uh, African female group mm-hmm. that does drum circles. And My they perform. God. And they oh. talk about African tradition. Mm-hmm. So she is uh, wonderful. Uh, let's see. We talked about Allison Luderman. Also on the 19th, Christian Epps. I always want to celebrate uh, the folks who I uh, who have been teachers of mine. Oh, and he yay. was a teacher of mine at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, teaching technical theater, mm-hmm. how to build flats. and. Mm-hmm. Hanging up Lico's and Fresnels and all that Uh-oh. stuff. So, <laughs> the old days. Yeah. Uh, on the twentieth, Lauren Hayes. It's her birthday, and Lauren, uh, she was the lead actress. We did uh, Skin of Our Teeth, oh. directed by Susan Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very nice piece that we did at the DMT, and uh, she was the uh, the sex pot, the love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the twentieth, Susanna Yu. She's an ex um, Bendel stiffer who is now in New York with her husband. Nice. Also on the 20th, we mentioned as uh, Alan Casmorio. Also on the 20th, Jeremy Sawyer. Uh, he is a fantastic actress, actor. Uh, he did The Marriage of Bettin Boo. He was the lead actor. Uh, Bettin Boo, written by Christopher Durang. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you have the poster. Yeah, it's right there behind. Oh, yeah, uh, I see it. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> the 21st, uh, Isaiah Duforth. I'm sure you remember that name. Oh, good old Isaiah. Hi, yeah. Isaiah. <laughs> He is a uh, playwright and also a a, um, a director for uh, film, and uh, we had him on the uh, I forget what um, what episode that was, and also uh, another um, graduate of Duke Ellington School of the Arts, Shantice Rodriguez, uh, a fantastic. I believe she was a dancer and a singer. Uh, we had so much talent coming out of Duke Ellington, and so I want to celebrate her. That's her birthday, and that's my list. Very uh, cool. Shows. 
playground. We should talk about that. Playground is Monday uh, open season opener. The theme is rebirth. Which... Yeah, I missed the cut. I was just way too busy, but I'm sure mm. there's wonderful, wonderful pieces. Uh, there are. There's a nice array of stuff, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I'm sure you'll be directing one of the. Pieces. I am directing. Um, Mer Madeline Meredith, Madeline uh, Butler uh, has written a wonderful little piece. Um, Reincarnation piece, I like it. Right on. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the uh, the other thing I want to mention was uh, somewhere which I pulled up because I wanted to make sure I had the right information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this weekend, next weekend. It's been running. They tried to get me to come out to see it when it was opening, and I'm like, dude, Pericles, don't don't talk to me right now. But it'll run through uh, next weekend, and it's down at the Pear Theater, uh, Perspective Theater Company. Brand new play called Somewhere. Wonderful piece. Um, oh, nice. Do we know anybody in it? I don't know who's in it. I was up for it because they were thinking that the ages weren't that important. Uh, one of the characters is like in his 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the characters is his former boss who's just a little older, like early 30s maybe. Mm-hmm. They were thinking they were going to bump the ages up on those characters. Uh, I don't know that they just didn't see anybody who could play that first character so that I could play the old boss. Mm-hmm. I see, yeah. But um, but yeah, they were like, no, Norman, it just wasn't going to work. And I'm like, I don't know why you called me in. I mean, somebody in their 30s would be my, like these days would be my child, my adult child. Yeah, <laughs> Please. Yeah. But uh, those are the only ones that I know about. I know that there are other theater companies finally yeah, doing I've got, stuff. Yeah, I've got a couple of I've got a list right here. So Shotgun Players uh, is mm-hmm. is uh, they have run uh, a play called The Claim, and that opened up two days ago. Radhika Rao is in it. Uh, it runs from October the thirtieth. I'm sorry, October the fourteenth through the thirtieth, and we will have uh, a link for that. Mm-hmm. Julius Caesar. Is playing at the Pacific Repertory Theater. Oh, yay. Uh, With a bunch run- of people we know, right? Yeah, it's running from September the 30th through October the 17th, so that means tomorrow is the last day. Uh-huh. Leticia Duarte is in it. Yay. Nick Mandrakia is in it, and they've both been on the A, both great mm-hmm. actors. Um, the Great Leap uh, ends, October, uh, ends tomorrow. San Jose Sage, uh, that is, um, was directed by Jeffrey Lowe, who we've had on. Hmm. So uh, check that out if you want, if you're not doing anything tomorrow. Excuse me. A new conservatory theater is doing Interlude. That uh, opened October the 13th and it ends November the 7th. Sean J. West is directing that show. So that's going to be good. Um, And And Sean's got another um, show coming up. Do you know at the new conservatory theater he's going to be directing? You should make sure. Is that it? Interlude. I think that's it. By Coleman Domingo? Let me click on the link. Because uh, uh, Col- uh, Coleman, he's going to be directing a show that Coleman directed. Is that it? Interlude by Harrison uh, David Rivers. No, 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 no. no. So he's got he another one coming else. up later in the season. You should make sure you stay in touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the very last thing, and we've been pumping this up, um, the Berkeley Playhouse, Into the Woods, <laughs> the proper version of Into the Woods, the mm. integrated, the racially integrated version of Into the Woods. Uh-huh. Yeah, that will open November the 19th. <laughs> what I was is, surprised. Can, what does the racially integrated Into the well, Woods? Well, I mean, it's, it's basically. There was a production a that was being done in San Jose, and it was all white. And when they were called oh, on it, they oh, tried oh, to claim they couldn't no, find no, no, anybody. No, no, and, no, no, no. Into the Woods begs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What I meant, racially inclusive. That's what I meant. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and that has a, uh, a bunch of our friends, uh, Anna Yoham, 
is ah, in it, and also mm-hmm. Mara Sotelo. Ah, the yeah, actress, yeah, yeah. And we've had her on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be uh, running from November the 19th through December the 23rd. So there's plenty of time. And we'll have links Damn. to that. That's a long run. <laughs> it, it is a very long run. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Nassim Badi. And she uh, has published a book. Um, it's actually a, a group of pamphlets. Let me, I've got to open it back up again. Mm. Basically, she works for um, the criminal justice system. And uh, she's written. Um, pamphlets uh this is bad bad um podcasting that i'm because <laughs> i closed out the window uh, uh hold just on gotta leave sure. everything open yeah yeah exactly well while you're waiting could i mention something just very briefly yes, my please. good friend ken malicelli the impresario who put together a play a musical or presentation of the life of uh susa Oh, cool. uh, John Phillips, in which yeah. I star, I star uh, was in fact, I, in which I played Zeus and we toured. Mm-hmm. He is doing a showcase in San Jose at the Lyric this weekend uh-huh. uh, of a new thing he put together, a treating of uh, Offenbach, Jacques Offenbach. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Cher Jacques, and that's. That's at the Lyric nice. this weekend. Wow, that's very nice. Yeah, and I've seen a, a four-part four series workbooks made for inmates. So I always want to push, you know, what other people are doing. And we've sure. been pushing uh, other people like um, uh, Bridget out of Portman. She has a book out, and mm-hmm. Sherilyn Conley still has her book out. Beautiful Ghosts of Queer Memoir of San Francisco. Huh? Jeannie's book should be out. Jeannie's soon, book so should be out, yeah. We, we'll have to get her back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All righty, so that is that. Uh, Hutch, did you have a good time? <laughs> I had a wonderful time, you guys. It's so good to get together with you, you oh, know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we got to do this more real often where we don't have to put things on our heads and, right. and whatnot, you know? Right, exactly. And you're a frequent flyer. This is your third time. <laughs> when um, when uh, Jeff Thompson passed away, we had a special, and we had you on for that. Yeah, and, that was uh, so, great. So we all, we're always happy to yeah, have you on. Yeah, Jeff Thompson, wonderful to remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Alrighty, so um, you're listening to this on um, a podcast. You're probably listening to it on Spotify, or if you clicked onto the link, then you're listening to it on a uh, the podcast app. So we're on all podcast apps. We're on the Apple Podcast app, that purple app that you have on your iPhone or iPad. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app, or just go on SoundCloud.com. Uh, the A is created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We Our official Twitter feed is the A3. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. And Hutch, I think people can reach you uh, via Facebook. Yes, yes. Uh, anything else? You're not, you're not on Twitter? No, I'm not on <laughs> Instagram. You know, I don't know how to use Twitter. All these on, years later, never figured it now, out. Now, be honest, John. Are you on OnlyFans? Are you, do you do? Uh, are you doing titillating uh, nude pics on OnlyFans? TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you seen my TikToks? <laughs> have you seen my TikToks? Yeah. No. <laughs> and also, I want to pimp out the uh, the yay jerseys. People have been buying up the jerseys. Oh, uh, yay. yay. We and I'll be posting pictures. Uh, Madeline Puccioni has one. Um, our good friend, um, uh, oh, Robert, Estes. Robert Estes, he has one. Yep. Uh, Nikki, uh, she bought four, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is awesome. Um, Crystal Bambanti Jung bought mm-hmm. one. So, um, you know, if you want to uh, help uh, uplift the yay and, uh, you know, or just look cool outside, people are like, wow, what's that jersey all about? So mm. check out the yay jerseys. Um, mm-hmm. It was $20. I got to raise it to $30 because it's really expensive to make. Yep. 
it will support Bay Area Theater. It will support the A. So thank you so much for everyone who's been supporting us. And that is it. As Norman and I always say, we, we gotta, gotta find, find a, a better, better sign-off. And we... Better.